0: Welcome back to the Vibrantly Gray podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Working. Here in the Vibrantly Gray community, we support older women in pursuing their big dreams. I believe that age should never be a barrier to achieving one's goals and living a meaningful life. In today's episode, I hope you will be inspired and empowered to live your life vibrantly. everyone. Welcome to this episode of Vibrantly Gray. I'm going to be chatting with Cindy Sharkey today. Cindy is a nurse who specializes in women's sexuality, a really important topic. And one of the reasons why I started this podcast, because I wanted us to be able to explore and talk frankly about issues that don't often get explored and talked about, frankly, after menopause. So, welcome, Cindy. I look forward to all of the information that you're going to be sharing with our audience today. I start every interview with one question because I like to hear how people are responding to it. And when was the last time you felt you shouldn't do something because of your age?
1: That's an interesting question to start with. And I would say (laughs) it's been a while. I think what's fun about this age is. Well, I seem to care less about the holdbacks and care more about the jumping in. But mm-hmm. I will say that the the techie piece to to be honest, the techie piece to what I'm doing with my podcast and and mm-hmm. you know with webcasts and all that kind of thing is I do have a love of my life for that's my, my partner and he's my own geek squad. So that oh, would be the one thing that holds lucky me back. You. But, but yes, I have him, so I'm all good.
0: Yes. Okay. So you haven't recently felt limited by your age or telling yourself that you shouldn't be doing something because of of your age.
1: I think sometimes honestly I don't get I don't, like tick, let's take TikTok for example, Kathy. Yes. Okay? okay. All these people on my platform want me to do TikTok and I I just like I don't get it. Okay. Okay. I just, it's like okay, I'm not for TikTok. TikTok's not for me. I mean, I try, but they ban every time I say any body parts that are technically correct. And so I get really frustrated. So I think that those kind of things are more of put-offs than my age.
0: Okay. The other thing that I'm very interested in learning more about with my interviewees is, you know, what does living a meaningful life mean to you?
1: You know, Carl Jung said, you cannot live the afternoon of life according to the morning program or something like that. Oh, interesting. Okay. Once I heard that around age 50, I felt a lot of freedom Mm -hmm. to make different choices and evolve and change. And I certainly have done that. I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. I'm not the same person I was five years ago, nor last year. And I think that's meaningful, is embracing the change, embracing, evolving, and making different choices. And certainly for meaningful life is a life of compassion.
0: Yeah, well well said. So talk to me and tell us about how does that definition of leading a meaningful life, like translate into your journey right now?
1: I think that compassion is probably one of the highest values to me in life. And as a nurse, I tend to embrace that quality in my work with, in my, with my friends and other relationships. And I think that's kind of how it it has led to the journey I'm on and the passion project I'm doing. Hey, can you tell us a little bit about what that passion project is? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I've been a nurse for over three decades and I've done a lot of different clinical work. I've worked with women mostly OBGYN and labor and delivery and gynecology, you know, you know, with a GYN office and did a lot of speaking and teaching and education around sex, around birthing, around safety, baby care. And that just evolved more and more into really realizing that most women did not have the education they needed to have a fulfilling, enjoyable sex life, as well as healthy life moving through the ages and stages. It's like there are education, you know, supposed to be whatever you get in puberty, which for most people is minimal or non-existent. And then the education is supposed to stop there. Well, we all need adult education around sexual health through our lifespan. And we simply do not get it. Absolutely. I remember
0: all of the girls in my fourth grade class when I was in elementary school, way back in the day in the 1960s, we were all led down to, it was really funny. It was like the dungeon of the school. And that's where they showed us a little film about body parts, you know, and menstruation and, you know, a few things, but nothing about sex or sexuality or, or anything. And it was like, okay. And then they let us all back up the stairs and it was never spoken of again. Well, and the the big piece that's left out of that, Kathy
1: is pleasure. Oh there, yes. It's, Very good. it's yes. prevention disease yes. and, and fear and Excellent no, point. no, no pleasure. And so what I've found through the years of working with women is that that's the piece that's missing is yeah. The pleasure piece, and then it's very difficult to have enjoyable, extraordinary, exciting sex that you love and want to have. Right. Yeah, I, thank you for for adding that that piece to
0: to my comment. I, I appreciate that. So, are you currently working for as an entrepreneur, or are you still with a clinic, or
1: how has that uh, passion evolved? Yes, I left my clinical work several years back, uh, maybe right around 55, maybe. And okay. um I was at a place in my life, Kathy, where I could do what I felt the most passionate about doing. and that was education.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm I feel really fortunate that I can and that I have a partner who wholly supports the work and, you know, shares in the passion with me. It's a big piece to our puzzle. I thought it might go one way and COVID hit, <laughs> the, pand- <laughs> the pandemic Oops. hit. And so yeah. it has, it's evolving and changing. I, I I thought I was doing a lot of speaking and workshops and seminars and retreats and the pandemic hit. And that, of course, for everybody, it we had to pivot. Mm-hmm. So I started writing a book and then I started a podcast because I couldn't get to my women. I, we had to cancel everything and I couldn't get to people who had booked me and I couldn't get to just everybody I wanted to educate, who's, which means everybody. And so yes. I decided to start a podcast. I mean, who knew? It was not my plan. But people kept saying, if you just get in our ears, get something out there so that we can keep learning. And that's what I did. And so here we are now, three seasons into season three of the podcast. It's called Permission for Pleasure. And it's really that. It's education around sexual health, bodies, embodiment, just all things sexual health as I see it super interesting conversations with amazing researchers therapists physicians and 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 just women that i meet okay that's that what i was going to ask to. you if yeah. you yeah
0: if you if you collected women's stories too people,
1: yeah people in my community that that uh, get brave enough to come on for an interview and <laughs> you know how that is I really don't ask people personal things about their sex life but that's not what the show is about but um, more education would you what did you know what did you learn what did you need what was missing you know
0: mm-hmm. and um,
1: people are great about sharing their stories and that's that's lovely but it's evolving and changing and I'm evolving and changing with it yeah
0: yeah Beautiful. Now, you said that your partner is very supportive of your work. Uh, what about other people in your social network? How did they mm. respond when you said, this This is the thing I want to focus on because I feel like it's most needed?
1: Hmm. Yes. Well, I have three daughters, three adult daughters,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: they are team mom <laughs> <laughs> and it, in a big way. So I'm so fortunate, you know, they really encouraged me on and have helped me Especially with all the tech techie parts yeah. <laughs> and you know the social media that I'm not that savvy about. And so that's been wonderful. But I also have a, a couple of women in my life that have been friends for oh wow, over 30 years and sat with me and really encouraged me to to press in, mm-hmm. to take the to take the leap. It mm-hmm. was difficult to leave my full-time clinical position. I oh, yes. restored my patients. I Oh, I, you know, I just loved them and I really still miss them, but they just said this, this is what, this is what you've talked about all these years, right? This is what you have, you know, it's always been sort of on the back burner as a side job, you Mm -hmm. know, talking to groups or going to conferences or speaking at retreats, like on the side extra, and um, this is your opportunity. You can do it now. Do you you just just jump in? You can do it, you know. And they continue, Kathy, they continue to text me and cheer me on. I'm so grateful for that. It's a it's a it's a big warm hug all the time. And it's also an encouragement to to keep moving on when things get a little difficult or challenging. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I think we tend to uh, we as a society tend to overlook the power of women's friendships you know, it's like, oh, they, you know, I think the common non-wisdom is that we kind of sit around and we talk about men and, you know, and other partners and we, you know, and, and, and we don't. That could
1: be, that could,
0: well, for I mean, me, we do, be but that's than- not.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, I can think about like so many walks with my sister who's so dear to me and, and and just, you know, bouncing ideas off her or how, mm-hmm. how would all you and your friends take it if I did a workshop about vibrators or how how would all your yeah. friends feel about, you know, if I did a, a parenting workshop, really helping people learn how to talk about sex with their kids, you know, and I have other friends like that who I'm not sure I would have made it without them. Oh,
0: right. I know. I know without for myself, without their support, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be in the middle of, you know, starting some new businesses, you know, it's just, it's when you know that you've got that support, uh, Mm -hmm. when things are going well, as when, as well as when they're not, Mm -hmm. that is so important. Uh, but
1: well, one of the things I think that women friends are great about, and, and my husband does the same thing. He'll say, you know, you're not for everybody and everybody's (laughs) and, and, and everybody's not for you. And then the sexual wellness, it is very true. I'm either not edgy enough or I'm too edgy or I'm, you know, you know, I'm not for everybody and everybody's not for me. And I just want to serve the ones that are right in front of me that want to be in my community and who I'm for.
0: Yes. And there's plenty of people in the world and you, and, and they will find your right. People will find you. Now, how do you offer? I know you've got the
1: podcast um and that you are writing the book. Have you finished the book yet? I'm in the final edits of the book. <laughs> I'm gonna self-publish it. And my oldest daughter is a journalist and professional editor, and she's working with me on the book. So what a treat. What is hard? Skill hard skill though. Set. <laughs> she's so hard. Not hard. She's <laughs> tough. Tough. That's what it is. Tough. Sometimes, well, let's,
0: sometimes I like to think she 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 strives for exceptionalism.
1: Exactly that. And you know what? She's making it so much better. Yeah. She's yeah. the writer. I'm not, but I have the information. And so we're working on it yeah, together. So I'm excited. I hope it has a birthday this year in 2023. And um, we'll, we're we're getting very close.
0: Well, please let me know when it's out so that I can uh, spread the word amongst my listeners and my, my social network. Uh, I'm sure that they will... Gobble it right up when it's Mm, available to them. Thank you. Uh, So that would be great.
1: (laughs) In the meantime, I do offer a newsletter once a month where I just offer education. it's, It's really a safe space for people to gather sexual health education. And you really only click on the article or blog I've written that you're interested in so people if they don't want to google for what they want to know but they have a lot of questions we all do yes very normal
0: so that is on your website so because i will give the link to that in both the show notes as well as in the facebook group
1: oh great yeah sure everything's on the website at cindysharkey.com. you can find links to get to the podcast to the blog to the newsletter it's all there Okay. Do you offer any online courses? I don't right now. I, um, I think I see that in the future. I love to be with women live. I love women. (laughs) They're my favorite. (laughs) They are my favorite. (laughs) And every time I get to, you know, when I'm with them live, I just did a workshop with a lot of women over 50 and it's just a raucous good time. I mean, yes. It's just so fun, and there's such good energy, and it just it just fills me up, and I love doing that. But I, I get that everything's online now, so I may have to pivot to some of that. I've just been focused on finishing the book at this point.
0: Sure. No, I, it's not like I want to heap a whole lot more on your plate. It sounds like you're very busy, uh, uh, but um, and you know, and and you're right. It's not the same sort of dynamic when you are online. But it can still be helpful. I'm speaking as a woman who lives in rural Kentucky. Okay. right. So, okay. So, if you think about what's available here, you know, it, uh, I'm just putting that bug in your ear. <laughs> uh, so that there, there are women who can't easily get to, you know, live events. So that's one of the reasons why I, I do online education is because I know that there are just a lot of people that it's, that, regular quote unquote education isn't available for them. So 100%.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah. So what do you do besides your work?
1: I love to garden and ah. I'm, in, I'm in California, so I get a lot of opportunity for that. And I, you know, my soul fuel is nature. Mm-hmm. So it is where I want to be at some point every day for as Little or long as I get, it is really what's that's uh, saving my life. You know, just I'm just paying a lot more attention, Kathy. I'm paying well, a lot and more there's attention that... to yes uh... things that delight me. That's one of the things about being over fifty uh, that I, I, I've evolved and changed in is that I'm just much more easily delighted. Our needs are simple. <laughs> well, it's 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 really. More, I think for me, the what it really is is stopping and paying attention, and this yes, is what we talk absolutely. about on the podcast a lot because, in, in really, we're in a pleasure crisis in this country, and people yeah. are, well, they're they're just not even able to experience pleasure it, every day delights, and when we experience everyday delights, and just take pleasure in everyday things that delight us, wow, it is a, well, it's a game changer, Kathy.
0: Yes, have you read and I read this many many years ago. I'm not even sure if it's still in print, but um it's by Thomas More and it's called The Reenchantment of Everyday Life. I have you read, read that? that. Book? Ah, pick up you will know, go to your local used bookstore and and see if uh you can you can find that. It is a treasure and really shifted my thinking about Pleasure and just making the small things meaningful in our everyday life. Now, what we can think of as being boring can actually be wondrous.
1: I love to hear that. I have not read that book. I'm going to have to pick that up because my other thing that is my favorite is reading. I'm uh, a, re- yeah, I'm me a too. reader. Yeah.
0: Me too. So well, that's thanks uh, for that yeah. recommendation. Yeah. And, and once you read it, please get back in touch with me so we could discuss it.
1: <laughs> Ooh, I'd love to. That'd be great.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so what's been your greatest challenge besides the tech since you turned 50?
1: Hmm. Greatest challenge. Well, a couple of things that come to mind is just the physical changes that mm-hmm. I'm adjusting to. I think the other thing is is parenting or not parenting adult children. <laughs> yes, where's the rule book for that thing? Oh dear! <laughs> and I adore my daughters, and yet it's this transition time of figuring out what what role you play. You know, um, yeah. And and uh, my husband and I are constantly talking about about that, and that that keeps keeps evolving and changing, but. Honestly, the heart, one of the harder things too is just with all the change I've worked through in my life, it's still a challenge to not fall back on unhealthy patterns. Yes.
0: You really have to stay mindful, paying attention and, and
1: catch and know when to catch yourself. Well, and for me, it's journaling out. Uh, sometimes when I journal out, I figure out. <laughs> I call it. So when I journal yes. it out, I figure it out. And then it's like, Cindy, come on now. We've already done work around this. Now, <laughs> now let's have a little chat.
0: Yeah. Let, let's not go there again. Uh, yes, I, I journal too, but it's a visual journal. I'm mm-hmm. an artist. And so for me, it's, it's easier to think in terms of colors and, and shapes and objects and, and that kind of thing rather than words.
1: That works too. Ooh, I'd love to see your journal. I bet it's oh, I bet it's very interesting.
0: <laughs> it yes, it it is. It is, and um, I need to make sure that I spend time with it each day. As mm-hmm. you know, journaling is is just a practice that you you just need to make a commitment to it. I feel mm-hmm. because the the benefits um, are vast.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree.
0: So when we swap um, ideas about the reenchantment of everyday life, we'll also swap things from our journals.
1: <laughs> have you done the artist? Have you have you done the artist's way?
0: Yes, when it first oh. came out, and yeah, and I think she's got a sequel that I can't. I, I'm blanking on the name of it right now, the title mm-hmm. of it, but and I haven't delved into that. But at the time, I remember, and and this is for listeners. This is a book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And I read it, oh, it was early 90s, I think. And it was an awakening for me. It just hit me so hard in terms of changing my perspective of the ways that I was blocking my own creativity. And it was it was profound.
1: Well, I was really late to but the was- game. So okay. <laughs> I didn't, my oldest daughter actually gave it to me for Christmas when the, oh. we were, we were deep in the pandemic and we were yes. sitting, sending, uh, I was sending her what we call shitty first drafts. I think that's Anne Lamott who says that, but, or, or maybe it's, I don't know. I can't remember. One of it, my favorites too. I love I it. I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was sent, she said, I, because of all the writing you're doing, I think this would be a good, a good book to read and go through for the other side of your brain. And anyway, she hadn't done it yet, but I started that and went very slowly. I didn't, I didn't do it on the the timetable she gave. So I was a little, but I just, oh, I just marinated in that. I'm not the creative one. I used to say my whole life, my sister's highly creative. And um, I learned to see myself as a creative person through that book yeah, that's what I was just going to say to you, Cindy, you're a very
0: creative person. you're 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 creating a life for yourself. You're creating a, a podcast. I mean, we I, I think we are taught at when we are kids in particular that y- you're only creative if you can draw or play an instrument or dance or be in the theater, okay? And creativity is so much more mm. than that, you know, the way that you decorate your house. The way that you decorate yourself, right? The way that I we plant are, my garden. Yes, the way that you plant your garden. We are innately creative and we just haven't been taught to appreciate that and to recognize that. And so I think that's one of the things that this book really brought home to me is that, oh, we're all artists.
1: Yeah. And I I learned to embrace that.
0: Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. What would you say brings women to you? Why do they
1: seek you out? I would say the majority of them struggle with desire for sex. And the other thing is on top of desire is a desire discrepancy with a partner. That's the number one reason couples come to sex therapy. I'm not a sex therapist, but women that come to me for consultation Uh, Probably the majority of them are coming because they feel lack of desire for sex.
0: Okay. Okay. And this is across the ages. You're not just talking about women over 50. Okay.
1: I would say over 50 to some. Let's talk about desire then, because this is the biggest, biggest thing. Or pain over 50, painful sex and and hormonal issues. And what can what can I do? But here's Uh the thing over 50. When our hormones go down. We want to create desire. Desire is no longer going to be patting, pointing, I'm pointing to her, to Kathy's shoulder. It's not going to be tapping (laughs) you on the shoulder saying, come (laughs) hither, come hither. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't work like that for a lot, a lot of people as we get older, we move into much more responsive desire. And if you, if maybe you've experienced desire this way your whole life. Many people only think sex happens out of the blue. Like they see in the movies, spontaneously, you know, just, yeah, you pat my bottom, my butt, and I want to have it, you know, that just doesn't happen in reality, when you're at a new relationship energy, which only lasts a short time. (laughs) So people don't understand that desire is not linear. It, It can come in many different ways. And many, many people, especially over 50, Women and men move more into responsive desire, which means something has to be happening with your arousal for you to then have motivation to have sex. Desire is your motivation to have sex. So, what has to be happening? Maybe you need your body to be really warming up. Maybe you really need some emotional connection. Maybe you need some affectionate connection. Maybe you need words of you know to to turn you on. I'm just saying people need to understand that desire is not linear. And -hmm. you can actually have magnificent sex from a flat line of no desire. Because Mm -hmm. once arousal starts and you get aroused your brain will say oh I remember I do like this. Yes. (laughs) This is okay. (laughs) let's do it.
0: So it's, uh, so what I hear you saying is that it's creating a context within the relationship where desire can, uh, I don't want to wax too poetic here, but spring forth.
1: Well, yes. Yes. Spring forth. And if you're solo, it works the same way. I mean, what Mm -hmm. do you have to do to, you know, have a desire to self-pleasure, to pay attention to your body, to bring yourself to orgasm. If you choose it, it, it doesn't always spontaneously, you know, happen that we're like, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to pleasure myself. I'm going to, you know, be interested in sex. Sometimes that takes an arousal and a warming and a paying attention and entering in to Mm -hmm. then move over and have motivation to, to move over and move in.
0: Let's turn our attention to insight that you might have for women over 50 about their sexuality. I'm
1: so, so I'm so delighted you asked.
0: <laughs> I thought you would be.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I could do, we, we could talk about this for, you know, three hours. I know i
0: might keep- have, this might have to have a, a sequel uh, yes, to you, it. There you
1: uh, go. But, let's yeah. just, let's just, I'd love to share maybe a, just a few big pieces. Okay. Probably the biggest one for those of us over our 50 is, and actually not just those of us over 50, anybody is mm-hmm. to break open the box of how you define and see sex. Yes. So broaden and widen what sex is to you. Mm-hmm. This will serve you all your days because we have such a narrow, narrow idea of what sex is.
0: Can you give us an example of um, what what might be uh, something to consider when you are broadening your definition?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good question. I think it's asking ourselves the question, what why do I want to have sex? What does sex mean to me? Mm-hmm. If you're partnered, asking your partner what what does sex mean to you? Why do you want to have sex? Those kinds of conversations with mm-hmm. ourselves first, right? And for those who are partnered with a partner, it's amazing what you can learn about yourself. And what your desires are when you think bigger, bigger than just an orgasm or bigger than just, you know, putting your body with someone else's body or your body with your own hands or a vibrator. It's the bigger picture of pleasure, sensuality, erotic Mm -hmm. energy, a bigger picture of sex.
0: Okay. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I think I think that is a, you know, a great way to start our thinking, you know, a, about uh the role that sexuality plays in our own lives.
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm. And a, and a big piece of that is how you feel about pleasure. What is yeah. your perspective of pleasure? I have a blog just on this. It's like do you feel like you deserve pleasure? Do you want mm-hmm. to have pleasure? Do you feel like sex is for you and for your pleasure? Mhm. Do you feel like you are allowed
0: to experience pleasure in this way? Do you feel like you're allowed
1: to desire?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Mm -hmm.
1: So that would be the first thing. And I think for those of us over 50, but these apply to anyone is, is learning your body. Mm -hmm. Learning your own individual body. As it is now, rather As than it is when now. you
0: were twenty-five or thirty,
1: right? There you go, ding, ding, ding. Okay, we are going to change. We're going to change more. We are certainly changing in our fifties and beyond. And if we take time to understand the changes that are happening with us, to to embrace those changes, mm, seek out help or assistance or needed medical attention for some of those changes. And then if you're partnered, educating your partner about your body and its changes, this is a big, important piece to sexual health anytime, and especially 50 and over. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't give themselves permission to learn their own body. And as we age and change, we, our body ages and changes, not necessarily, you know, I'm not saying badly. I'm just saying different. Do you think that oftentimes women think that
0: their partner should know how they want to be pleasured without actually talking about it? That it's just
1: sort of an innate sort of instinct. I think people think that every single day, all day. Okay, <laughs> all right. But the, but the truth of the matter is, Kathy, we can't read minds, and our partner can't read our mind. Right. It is easier to learn how to talk about sex than it is to learn how to read people's minds. <laughs> I like that. That's great.
0: And I think, I, th- I think that might be a good
1: T-shirt for you to to make. You know? <laughs> That's true. But that saying on a T-shirt. And I, I, I have I met with a gal for consultation, and and what we worked out together is she, she told her husband, "I'll educate you about my body, and you educate me about yours." Now that we're, they were almost sixty, but yeah, I, I and even opening the conversation of, I know my body's changing, and I think I want to share with you what I'm noticing. And also in relation to sex, how I think those changes would be, uh, how, how we could work with those changes. So mm-hmm. for sure, I mean, for sure lube, I, I'm not getting off the podcast here without, if you are yeah. not using lube for sex, okay, please use lube. They call me the lube fairy because I'm just <laughs> reaching it. Everywhere I go, it, women over 50, and especially after and through the menopause transition, do not lubricate. Your hormones are way low. You do not lubricate. And when we don't lubricate, sex can be painful. Well, right. sex is painful. It's micro right. tears, it's burning, it's it's dry tissue. Who wants to have sex? People touching your vulva, putting anything in the vagina without lube. No. Right. No,
0: and no. Right, right. Yeah, I was I, I was listening to another podcast. They were citing the statistic that one in three women of all ages, they weren't talk to, talking about older age only, reported having painful sex.
1: Yes, this is true. Which
0: is, you know, I'm not sure. Well, I'm sure there's some people who would enjoy being involved in activities that cause pain, but most of us do not.
1: Well, this and this is different than... You know, people who enjoy enjoy pain with their sexual activity. This yes, is a whole yes, different yeah. skew. So yeah. let's clarify that. And that's fine and normal. I'm this is different. This is unwanted pain. And and usually and often that's that statistic is around when they ask people in your last sexual encounter. Mm-hmm. This is typically the ratio that we hear over okay. and over again. And through all the stages of life. And one of the problems with painful sex and the common narrative around it is that that just that it's very common women tell each other oh it's just going to hurt a little bit or this is and mostly this is with penetration of some kind okay Mm -hmm. it's just going to hurt a little bit or you get older and it's just going to hurt you're not going to want to do that anymore or you're going to have intercourse for the first time it's going to be painful this is not the truth sex should not be painful even though there is a common situations around it, doesn't make it normal. Mm-hmm. Common mm-hmm. does not equal normal.
0: Normal, right? Right. Okay. So lube fairy, we will we, we
1: will emphasize. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how many of you are lose using lube? And I go, okay, you don't have to raise your hands. Never mind, because they're all looking down, like no. And I said, listen, if if. If you don't enjoy the sex you're having, you're not going to want you're you're going to be hard pressed to have desire.
0: Now, are there any interventions that kind of tackle the the hormonal issues? Are there things that women can speak with their doctor about or, you know, come to you for example to get information about what to ask their their doctor about balancing out hormonal issues.
1: Yes, it's not so much balancing, I would say, okay. as that I think women have been fed a bunch of baloney for a long time and misrepresented over menopause. This this is we are mm-hmm. finally getting some female physicians and scientists, researchers yeah. that are starting to you know, scream from the from the rooftops <laughs> finally. Good. Yeah. There are so many options for women. You do not need to suffer and have any physician tell you it's all in your head, mm-hmm. that there's nothing you can do, that you're just going to have to suffer through the hot flashes, night sweats, not sleep for five years. No, no, absolutely not. Okay. And a dry vagina is not comfortable whether you're having sex or not having sex. So these things, there are, there are options. There is also wonderful help with pelvic floor physical therapy for so many women over this age who struggle with incontinence, chronic UTI, other other issues where pelvic floor can be your friend, big friend. And we're finally getting the word out about this as well.
0: Excuse me, but I just want to make sure that women know what to ask for or who mm-hmm. to ask. Yes. So A pelvic floor uh, physical therapist, Mm -hmm. a physical therapist. Okay. That's what I wanted to make sure that they knew who to approach about this.
1: So if you have a a gynecologist, start with them. If you have a primary care, that's a family practice, you know, start with them. And I I have a blog on my website too, about talking to providers about your sexual health question prompts, how to go about it this is so hard for women to, it's hard for anybody to talk about sex with a a provider and providers have so little education around talking about sex with their clients too. So it's a two ways street. So just no good all the way around. Ask for a referral, ask about hormonal replacement therapy. If it's something that is going to be safe for you with your own Medical history with your own signs and symptoms. P- women are smart, Kathy. They can think oh, through yes. the benefits and the risks and and make decisions for themselves based on their medical history. Don't let any physician or care provider tell you you don't know your own body the best. You do. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to her. What is she saying to you? What is she telling you? Track what's happening, and then. Absolutely. Spell it all out and say, what can I do? What are the options? I've heard there are options. If you can't help me, who can you refer me to? I don't want to leave the office without the referral for pelvic floor physical therapy. Can you write that up for me right now before I leave? Listen, this is a way we got to start approaching this.
0: No, I I think it's great because, you know, I, I think the first thing that I'm hearing you say is that women have to understand that they have the power to take care of their own bodies by seeking out and asking questions of healthcare professionals that will help them take care of their bodies that it's okay to bring this up not only okay
1: it's important and needed important. and yeah. you matter your your yeah. sexual health matters your well-being matters mm-hmm. all of these things notoriously have been you know I don't want to get on my soapbox it's fine. You know, so box. It's this just is a place it is for soapbox. Just medical <laughs> care. It's it just such. as been we've we've done a, just such a disservice to women. I, I, mm-hmm. You know, and so I just keep encouraging women: speak up.
0: You mm-hmm. know
1: yourself. You're smart. You know your family history. Find out what the options are. Weigh the risks and the benefits, and decide what's best for you, not what's best for your neighbor, not what's best for your friend, not what's best for your what is best for you, right. Perfect
0: information for our listeners. So we've got, let's uh, see, I wrote down three important bits of information that you would like to share with with our audience. Do you have other global kind of things <laughs> that you want them to think
1: about? I'm well, sure you can go on. But. <laughs> I could go on and on. So I'll, I'll try to wrap up here with three practical things. How about that? Okay. Practical things for people over 50. For better sex. For better arousal. One is sex before meals. Think oh, of sex right. as your appetizer, not as your dessert. Got it, okay.
0: And you not want, when, and not when you're tired and wanting to go to bed. Sex oh, to number two,
1: sex <laughs> early, earlier in the day, okay? Hormones are higher earlier in the day. So think okay. about, you know, not exactly what you're saying, not having it be the last thing on your list. Mm-hmm. And also remember that that desire comes from the same energy tank as everything else in your life. So when we leave it for the last thing of the day, our energy level is, you know, our tank is really low.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: not really a precursor to wonderful sex. Right.
0: I also like the symbolism of of having sex early, making it a priority, right? In your day, rather than an afterthought or the last thing, you know, it's, I don't know for me that I think that's an interesting message that you're sending to your partner, as well as to yourself is like, Hey, this activity is important for us. Let's do it when we
1: are at our optimum. Oh, yes. And for some people, this is a revolutionary idea for some reason, but think yeah. about it. We and and schedule sex. This Mm -hmm. is this is people give me so much pushback over this, but let's talk about we schedule everything on our calendar that's important to us that we want to plan for. Sex can be the same way. If you don't like the idea of calendar or schedule, then think about planning sexy dates that Mm -hmm. you look forward to. You anticipate. You're creating and cultivating desire for that date. You're engaging Got your it. brain, okay. right? Okay. You're building curiosity. You're this is all part of building and sustaining erotic energy. Yeah. Right. Well, so
0: I love that. Instead of saying thinking to yourself, well, if it's planned or scheduled, it's not romantic any longer. Right.
1: And that is so far from the truth. I mean, why, why do you think hotel sex is so great? Right. (laughs) Hotel sex is so great because you're planning for it. You know, you're going Mm -hmm. away, you're anticipating, you're already thinking about it. You're thinking about what you're going to bring. It's the same thing, Kathy. I love that example. Yeah, that's, that's fabulous. So the other practical tip is sex after exercise. And this can be a walk around the block, or you just walked on the treadmill for a bit, or maybe you did a, a lovely yoga suite sequence or what have you. It doesn't have to be, uh, I'm not saying, you know, you have to have an hour long workout. This is not what I'm saying. But when we exercise, we get our blood flow going. This is priming our genitals with blood flow. And that can really speed up arousal. And what we want is really good arousal to have really good sex. Right.
0: It also puts us in, it embodies us, right? Mm-hmm. We're thinking about our body, right? Rather than living in our head. So mm-hmm. that that walk or uh, quick bikes, you know, leisurely bike uh, uh, trip could uh, could really make you more aware of how your body is feeling.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Love it.
0: Okay. All right. So anything else that you want to share? You've got, I mean, this is just, you're a gold mine of information. I can see why you are. And I, and I wish our audience could see the, the, the excitement and, uh, and the smile on your face when you talk <laughs> about this. It's like you, you light up, uh, mm. when you're sharing it. So
1: that's it's beautiful to see. That's so fun to hear because I, 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 I think it's important. I really believe what I'm, what I'm talking about. And I think that any of us can have extraordinary sex. It's a skill that we can learn. Everybody thinks, you know, you talked about reading minds and everybody has this crazy narrative that, you know, that we're supposed to know what to do, that you're supposed to just innately know how to have great sex well that is not true nothing in life is like that we don't sit down and you know play beethoven on the piano no we practice and we learn and we have lessons and you know this is sex is the same way it's the same way and the biggest key of all kathy is communication learning to talk about sex Yes. It is a skill you can learn. It truly is. It's leaning into the uncomfortable, just saying, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be uncomfortable. This is going to feel yes. weird. We haven't done it before. And and there's a, a lot of
0: interesting, I think, material out there now about vulnerability hmm. and the importance of, of vulnerability and building relationships and ex- really experiencing the, the fullness you know of life, and so I, I'll put some links to some interesting resources about vulnerability because we think of vulnerability in a negative way, mm-hmm. and it actually is a very powerful tool for for building connection. So it's all yes. kind of related to what what you're speaking about as well. Big Brené Brown fan. Oh yeah, here. me me too. I'm a I, I'm a college professor as well, and I use her work in my interpersonal communication classes, because I think it is so profound. When my students get started with their work, they're a little uncomfortable. And then by the end of the semester, they're like, wow, you know, I'm really building deeper relationships because of this material. And and I will say, and their willingness to use it, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Okay, I have one more question for you. Unless there's anything that I we haven't covered that you feel like you really want to share,
1: I think I've, talk, I've talked enough. That's okay, but, I love it with your talking. But until <laughs> until next time, so what what let's well, how do you okay so um, I
0: own a candle company. Hmm. All right, Kentucky Green Studio. I've been making candles for about 20 years. They're soy wax candles. And I'm really inspired by the culture of Kentucky and the and the landscape of Kentucky. And I think you'll like this question if you're a gardener. So, So here's the question. If you were to describe your life right now as a scent, what would it be? You know, we, we, we ask people about, well, what's, what's, what's your song of the moment or what, you know, what's your favorite memory. I like to think of people's experiences in terms of scent as well. So how would, how would you describe Mm. your life in scent? I'm going to say sweet peas. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that fragrance just sort of lingers in the air, doesn't it?
1: Well, I just, I think because right now they're just starting to bloom for me here in my yard Oh, and I just, I, you know, harvest my own seeds every year. And then I just put them everywhere. Like, a like a (laughs) nutcase. I don't care. I don't care. I know they're wild and crazy, but every color and I just, it just delights me. So I think it's so much on my mind. I don't know if it describes, describes me, but I, I love the idea of a sweet scent Mm -hmm. and that, that life can be a, a life of compassion that, that, that the aroma is sweetness.
0: Yes. And it's not like the baked good kind of sweetness. It's the, the sweetness that is more ethereal, right? It, it kind of floats around and wild. And wild, I like I see, them. I see, I oh. see. Sweet peas is
1: wild, and I'm, I'm trying yeah. to be more wild and fun now that I'm older. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to have a lot more fun. That's my, yeah. that's my new mantra. I, have a little more I fun, have a, with Cindy. I
0: have a sweet little dog, and her name is Sweet Pea. Oh,
1: so I, love I it.
0: <laughs> so I will have to tell her. <laughs> that. <laughs> That's that, amazing. That you chose you chose her as a smell. I don't think you want. We're talking about the smell of my dog, but, <laughs> but
1: that'll be uh, a good reminder of, of you, <laughs> Kathy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I I so appreciate your your insight and your you know your thoughtfulness about you know the many important issues that we talked about today. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you did please join our community on Facebook. There, you will find reading suggestions, meaningful dialogue, and additional stories of women who are going big. The link is posted in the show notes. As Betty Friedan said, aging is not lost youth, but a new stage of opportunity. So let's do it together.